Hello listeners, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people just starting their careers, in transition, or possibly feeling stuck. Giving them access to stories from people who have already been where they've been, as to give them maybe some different ideas or different approaches. Today we're going to be talking with Cheryl Campbell, who is an independent director on two boards, one public and one private. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, Cheryl was also a former corporate exec at Excel Energy, so we'll get into that in a minute about all of the things she's done in her career. But as you know, listeners, I always like to start with the icebreakers so that we find out, Cheryl, where you grew up, uh, you know, what your family like was, life was like, you know, how many siblings, you, where you are in the birth order, and how that influenced you as a person. Okay, uh, I am uh, one of three, the middle child of three. Oh, you're a middle. I'm and, a middle. Yep, and I am a prototypical middle <laughs> child, probably, uh, when it comes right down to it. Um, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Um, I, I've spent, well, I was actually born in Southern California. Um, my dad had one of those jobs where we moved around a lot, but I've spent probably the last 40, 45 years here in Colorado. So Colorado is home to me unless you're a native and then you don't view it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but Colorado is very much home to me. Very cool. So uh, what sports did you play or did you play musical instruments or... Yeah, I you know so here's here's an instrument you don't hear very often. I played oboe when I was in junior that high. That is a unique <laughs> instrument, right? That's a pretty unique instrument, and uh, I played basketball when I was in high school. Never good enough to you know to actually uh, play beyond that. I did play with a with a uh, young lady who ended up playing at CU while I was in college up there. So and she was very good. There's. No doubt there was a huge difference between her skill set and the rest of the, <laughs> and the team. And the rest of the team. <laughs> right. And well, in high school, they have a lot of that, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so what age were you when you moved to Colorado then? I was about, um, boy, it must have been 11 or 12. I, it, we moved in the middle. I was in junior high school, so probably, and that's back in the day when you didn't have you know, kindergarten through five, and then six through eight, and then ninth, ninth grade, was, or uh, eighth yeah, ninth grade was not in the high school uh, at that time. It was oh, still it was junior still high. middle school. Yeah, it was still high. middle school. Okay. So I think we moved in the middle of my uh, seventh grade year. So I was probably, what, 11 or 12? Okay. Uh, and we came up here in December. So I changed schools and neighborhoods and friends and everything in, you know, in the middle of a of a school year. Of a year, that's got to be tough. Yeah. I and know. what what area of town did you move into? We lived in um, Denver in the probably Monaco and Evans area, South so, Niagara. We lived we lived in that part of of town when we first moved up here. Uh, my folks were renting a house at that time because I mean, you know, you just dad got transferred and you move, right? Yeah. So things happened very quickly. It was the middle of the school year, you know, you're trying to get your feet under you. And the uh, following summer, um, they bought a house in the uh, Thornton, North Glen area, and they are still in that area. They still live in the Thornton, North Glen area. So when you mentioned you're a typical middle child... <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm a consensus builder. You know, you try to keep the peace. harmony. Yeah. It's all about the harmony, right? Um, what was so, the age yeah. difference between you and your siblings? My older brother's only a year older than I am. 
um, and my younger sister is three years younger than I am. So, so we're three, I mean three we're kids in about five years. <laughs> yeah, we're relatively close in, mm-hmm. in ages. Although the interesting thing about that, and and maybe others have noticed this too, is there are many things that my brother and I remember very similarly, and my sister is in a totally different time zone. And <laughs> you know, I, I she's not that much younger than than we are, right? Those are rel- five years for three kids. It's relatively close. So I've always found that interesting when we start comparing notes about, well, do you remember when this happened and how different some of her recollections are from from my brother Yeah, just based on her age probably. I, and It depends on what time, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're eight and she's five, right, yeah. that there's a pretty big difference in perception yeah. in the way you view the world. How you view the world, yeah. yeah. Okay, so shifting gears just a smidge here. Uh, if you look at a fun meter on a scale of one to five, where do you sit on a fun meter? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, You know, I like to have fun, and I'm just going to say the older I've gotten, the more I'm interested in moving up the fun scale. Ah. So, I, you know, I'd probably say closer to four than, than any. You know, I'm not a wild and crazy, everything's got to be got to be fun kind of person, but um, I, I'm interested in having fun. I think making work fun is a good way to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, parts of it are incredibly serious, and things I've done in my career have been very serious, trying to improve safety and, and things of that nature, but, um, you know, you should have fun while you're working, because we spend a third or oh, more so of much life, time, right? Yeah, with all these people. So uh-huh. I'm a big one on let's have fun. Okay. So same scale, but different meter, the risk meter. Excuse me. Where are you on taking risks? Okay, so this one's really interesting, right? Because I think it depends on how you define risk, to be honest. So um, I'll just give you a quick quick little little story. I know a guy, I used to work with a guy that, that he thought I would, I scuba dive. He thought I was absolutely bonkers oh. to step off the back of a boat and go underwater in that foreign area and breathe because the sharks might get you, right? <laughs> and then you just never knew what was down there. Mm-hmm. And to him, that was incredibly risky. And to me, it's not because, you know, you've checked out your equipment, you have um, a protocol that you follow, and as long as you do that, it's really an incredibly safe sport. What I thought was risky was what he did when he was uh, young in his career, and he had uh, small children, and he quit a very decent corporate job because he didn't like the how confining it was and went off to start his own company. And so I looked at that as really risky. <laughs> and he looked at me jumping off the back of a boat as really as risky. risky so. so to me, it really kind of depends on, you know, how are you going to define risk? Mm-hmm. Right? I, I When it comes to things around safety and stuff like that, I'm not a risk taker at all. But I know there are people that would view some of the things that I've done over my career um, and some of the changes I've made. Uh, and then scuba diving is very yeah. risky. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that. And I will say most... A lot of people do come down to that. Well, it's how you define risk. It's also how you define fun because some people right. are like, they, you know, one of my last interviews talked about is really about what she likes to enjoy doing, which might right. be just reading a book. So in her mind, she's a five because she's having fun. <laughs> she's having fun. <laughs> she's enjoying that. So, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about what it means to be an independent director today. So let's talk about where you are today, a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about how did I get here. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, well, uh, you know, for cor- corporate boards are required, public corporate boards are required to have um, independent directors in, uh, under the terms of the SEC rules. And they're, they're independent in that they don't, you know, they don't get um, uh, favor or benefit from the corporation, right? So they are supposed to take into account um, the, uh, the needs and the desires of the stockholders, the shareholders, and the other external stakeholders for the company when they are providing guidance and direction for the company. Ah, so that's what independent means, and right. that's who you're representing are the right. stakeholders and the external. Correct. Okay. Correct. So it's in the SEC has a you know a, a um, hey this is how you define it and this is how you make sure that your directors are independent. So for instance. A lot of boards have their CEO sit on the board. That person is not independent, obviously, mm. because they're right. Their wherewithal, their their um, pay, and everything is very dependent upon um, the company and um, the things the company does, the direction it takes, things of things of that nature. But as an independent director, you're still paid. We are paid. Um, I, you know, we don't get paid the way CEOs get paid. Uh, but um, we are very clearly aligned with um, the shareholders and other external stakeholders. Okay. Well, that's good to understand that difference. Okay, so you're, um, you're on two boards. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the two boards and how, how they're different or maybe similar. Well, well w- one of them is a public company, and it's uh, PG&E Pacific Gas and Electric. The other one is a private equity company called Hoffman Southwest. Uh, and I am the only independent director on, on the board for Hoffman Southwest. Um, the rest of the board members are members of the private equity firm that owns that company. Oh, so um, therefore they're not independent. Correct. Uh, they have um, a large financial stake, right, in, in, the, um, in how that company turns out, right? But they tend to like to have at least one uh, independent director. They don't have to follow all the rules that the SEC lays down for public companies, but they do. They actually do a good job of following a lot of them around um, the audit and um, the accounting side of it, which you know is a good thing. It's right? a good practice, it's, yeah. It's, whether it's you're public practice. or not, right? Good right. practice. It's a very good practice. Um, it's uh, you know their whole goal is growth, and um, you know growing the company and a lot of. Probably most people think, uh, understand these private equities. They, they buy up these companies with a goal to grow them to a certain point, and then they sell them, and and that's the goal. So, my role there is is uh, to help with that, um, you know, that independent view, and also to help them open some doors, um, to companies where they might be able to sell some services and and help them grow. So that's that's the private equity company. The um, the public company is more around um, you know you you provide guidance and direction to their day to day operations. You don't run the company. The way to think about it is you know be curious and and be nosy about things. But, but nosy, I like that. Be curious yeah. and nosy. <laughs> Hands off, right? Because yeah. the leadership team does all the day to day management of the company. This one is unique because I think most people know that right now PG&E is in bankruptcy uh, due to some um, some very horrible events, 
And uh, so we're very focused on working to get them um, out of bankruptcy and on solid, solid footing so that they can, um, they can go forward and be a different company uh, and um, you know, be a going concern again. Yeah. Well, I'm being so. It's not only a public company, but it's a utility. Yes. So the, I mean, so many millions of people rely on them. So it's yes. not like bankruptcy or going out of business is an option, right? Correct. Yeah. But it has to be run effectively and yes. safely and, and all of those things, right? Yeah. Utilities are very unique. You know, unique companies. Mm-hmm. They are. Uh, there are many of them that are public, uh, but they are very deeply embedded in their communities that they serve. Yeah, um, and we all rely on them every day, right? We do <laughs> for uh, lights and um, hot water and uh, cooking and you know all kinds of things. So um, it's really important that they that they work closely in their communities, right? And uh, and then yes, safe and reliable is really the bailiwick yeah. for utilities. So uh, as a young person, like. In junior high, high school, did you, you know, have these aspirations that I want to work for a utility? Because you, no. you have other utilities in your career path. <laughs> so when you were a young person, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, that, that um, I was never one of these people that had a career, you know, this is what I want to be when I grow up. And I, I, I've always admired people that knew exactly what they yeah, wanted to do. Same here, I didn't know either. I had no clue, right? I mean, you know, I was, you'd have, and this is back in the day where, you know, didn't have internet. You couldn't Google things and research, and you know. So our world was a little smaller, the wasn't world it? Yeah. was a lot smaller. You look at your parents, your parents' <laughs> friends, teachers, right, right. yeah. And you know, I'm a first gen college student um, in in my family, and so there wasn't anybody in my family that had gone to college, and so there wasn't that experience to sort of lean on, right? Mm-hmm. But my my dad was adamant that his kids were going to have the opportunity to go to college. You know, I talked to the high school counselors. They basically said, hey, you're good at math and science. You should think about engineering. <laughs> okay. I mean, literally, uh-huh. it was that. So I applied to uh, engineering schools. I got accepted. I decided to go up to Boulder. Uh, I was, frankly, one of the kids that had an undefined major on day one. And as we're doing orientation and the dean's down there in the, in, the, um, in the lecture hall, he says, hey, there's 10 of you that have an undefined major, and you're either going to come down here right now when we get done, and you're going to pick a major, or you're going to do them all before I'll let you graduate. So he scared me, right? I mean, you know, yeah. and I was, I was that middle child, right, that's like, okay, I'm going to do what he says. <laughs> so when we got done, I walked down there, and, you know, you're looking at it, and it's like, well, I don't know. But I liked chemistry when I was in high school, so I signed up for chemical engineering. What the heck, right? And I mean, it was literally, it was that spur of the moment to go down that path. And the good news is I got into it and started taking the classes like, hey, this is kind of fun and interesting. Ah. So it worked out, right? Yeah. It, it worked out for me. So no, I'm not one of those people who said, this is the kind of engineer I'm going to be, and someday I'm going to be a corporate executive, and someday I'm going to be on a board of directors. No. I didn't and I'm going to be a leader. Nope. And yeah. I didn't have any of that planned out. So you weren't like on the student council? No. Or any, okay. I was very shy, very introverted, uh, very quiet in high school. Good student? Did you? Yeah. Good no, I, I graduated 19th out of 600 and something, so I was a good student, mm-hmm. but just, just very quiet, very shy. 
Didn't have to be the life of the party no. in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a borderline introvert extrovert, so oh, you know, okay. I've got those really strong introvert test, um, uh, capabilities every once in a while. It's like, just go hide over here in a shell. But, <laughs> yeah. So funny, the similarities, because on a lot of the tests I've taken, I'm down the middle. Yep. And it didn't occur to me that I'm a middle child and everything kind of... Right. Around me is a middle and a harmony, and no, I don't want to pick one way or the other. And yeah, it's so, funny. so many it's similarities. Funny. Yeah. Okay, it's so funny. you get out of college, then you, you graduate then with a uh, chemical engineering degree? Uh, well, I've got a chemical engineering degree and a business undergrad, both of them. I, had a, I graduated with a dual, a dual oh, major. What drew you to business? You know, I just, I got partway through the engineering and it, it's like, wow, I, you know, how do you apply this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how do these things fit together? And at the time, um, the engineering college and the business school worked together to, to uh, it was a little known program to give you that dual, that dual major. So I went down that path thinking that it would make me more employable. I, I came from a very modest background. Uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money. Their families didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, in my mind probably I'm thinking, all right, what's going to help me get a job? Right? Yeah. So I just thought I'd be more employable if I had, if I had both, um, both degrees. Did anyone coach you on that? Nope. I mean, I'm thinking that's a pretty big aha for a young person is to go, you know, maybe having a business, nope. some more business information would help me. Wow. No, I, you know, I, I was working at Target when I was in uh, high school and college, and so you start to see some of the business, although, you know, I was sales floor help, um, yeah. so it's not like you're, but I, I did, I was friends with, when I was in college up at the Target in Boulder, I was friends with the person who ran HR and the store manager. So, you know, I did get a chance to, um, to, to see a little, a little bit more. Uh, about what went on behind the scenes and, mm-hmm. and talk to them a little bit about how the store operated and stuff. And so that sort of piqued my interest. Ah, that, you know, this business yeah. thing, let me find out more yeah, about it. Yeah, let me find out more. Cool. Okay, so what were those first couple jobs at a college then? And how did you get them? Were they just people you knew or did you get recruited? Now, you know, so when I graduated from uh, college, we were actually in a slump, right? So chemical engineers tended to, to go to the energy industry, the chemical industry, right? And I, I actually knew I wasn't going to be a steel-toed engineer. I wasn't a steel-toed boot engineer. I wasn't really interested in that. But um, when I graduated, we were in a slump. And so there were 54 kids with chemi degrees, and four of them had jobs, and I was not one of the four. Oh, no. can, so. can, do you mind sharing what decade that is, just to give people a reference? Uh, it was the 80s. The 80s, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, and early, I'm guessing, too, a woman 80s. as a chemical engineer. There, there were many of us. Yeah. There were not many of us in the class, but but still only four had forehead jobs out of 54 right Mm. so I was still working at Target so I ended up moving back home which you know I wasn't happy about my parents weren't happy about you know that none of us were very happy but I mean you know we made it work Um, and I kept working at Target and I kept working with the um, uh, recruiting center up in Boulder right to to interview and to learn more about interviewing techniques and and they would let you come in and sign up for interviews when people were on campus. And um, I interviewed with a company called Colorado Interstate Gas, which is down in Colorado Springs. And I didn't know anything about pipelines and stuff like that, but I thought, well, all right, it it at least looks like something that my engineering degree will apply to, right? And um, I'd interviewed interviewed with... um, 
a couple of other energy companies by then. Uh, I'd gone to Dallas on an interview trip. I'd been up in Idaho at one of the nuclear, Westinghouse nuclear facilities on an interview trip. None of that stuff worked out. And, you know, you're starting to get kind of bummed, yeah. right? Because now it's, I graduated in May, and now it's fall and, and into the winter. And you've had interviews, it sounds. Yeah, I've and had even interviews. even out-of-state interviews. I mean, right. they pay for you to go, right? right. And so you right. got to think. But I, I just serious. never, yeah, never kind of came together, and I was never their top candidate. And I started to look at more, you know, all right, what am I going to do, mm-hmm. right? And Target said, hey, come come and be a manager. And I kept thinking, all right, you know, they they were a great college job, but, you know, retail is just like, all right, I'm going to do it if I can't find anything better, mm-hmm. right, that's, that's aligned with my degree. But it wasn't really what, what I wanted to. And, you know, they were offering training and all that kind of stuff. But anyway... Um, these guys, Colorado Interstate Gas, finally called and made me an offer. And woohoo, uh, right? Woohoo is exactly right. And you know, I broke all the rules. I didn't negotiate. I didn't do anything. I was just like, like I'll just, take it. Yeah, you were just like, yes, <laughs> you had me at hello, <laughs> right? So, um, and and in a very short period of time, a matter of a few weeks. Um, you know, I quit my job at Target. Uh, I found an apartment in Colorado Springs. I moved what few possessions I had down there and, and started this job, right? And so that was like February. So I was, I was, I graduated in May and it was February before I had a job. So that was probably okay given we were in a slump, but yeah. still, you know, it's kind of like, all right, I didn't like that. And it's not yeah. like I wasn't employed. I was working at Target. But, um, but once really you kind of graduate, there. I'm guessing there's that, I'm ready to hit the ground. and does, Correct. And I'm marketable, you know, or I'm ready. Right, right. I mean, we just spent all this time and money, mm-hmm. which my parents didn't have a lot of, mm-hmm. right? And I'd worked part-time through college. And, you know, you want to, you actually want to use your degree, right? So, but it, it turned out okay. I mean, I spent, um, I spent almost 19 years at, at that company. Oh, wow. Um, so I guess it worked out okay. Yeah, yeah. And I got, I had just a tremendous experience there. Um, I learned so much. I did a lot of different things. I mean, I started in an engineering design group. Uh, I worked with a regulatory group because that's a regulated entity as well, except at the FERC, you know, national FERC level as opposed to the state level like the utilities. Um, there was a, somewhere in there was a big business model change where the FERC decided to deregulate part of that. And what is FERC? I'm not uh, I'm sorry, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Ah. They are, um, basically, they tell, um, electric transmission and gas transmission what they can and can't do. It's, it's probably the, and they, they, uh, say what their tariffs are and how much they can charge for their services and stuff like that. As well as all the safety? Mm-hmm. Well, the safety stuff is actually goes through DOT, um, but um, you're, you're assumed to be following all the safety stuff when you're dealing with FERC and these, these ah, state okay. entities. So, um, you know, I did, I did some work on the... Well, once the FERC decided to, to sort of change the business model and deregulate part of it, uh, I ended up on the unregulated side. So we had an unregulated piece of of the pipeline all of a sudden (laughs) and it was really the um the buy sells so the marketing buy sells and the contract management and uh, we eventually built a division within the broader corporation that did um midstream and marketing buy sells and we were making as much as the pipeline 
And that was fun, building that division and making it successful within the broader corporation. Can I ask, what, what's the logic or the driving factor just to do a, have a part of it deregulated and part of it regulated? Why would they do that? Well, but obviously there was pressure that someone wanted this unregulated yeah. entity, but I don't understand what the value there is. I think the, there, there was a period of time there that the FERC really wanted to try to deregulate as much as they could. And uh, for a while, people were going to deregulate all the way to the household. So you're, in some states, started down that path. So there's a lot of stuff that went on from the, I'd say the 80s into the 90s. Um, and even in the early 2000s, a lot of people were gonna, were gonna deregulate all the way to the household. And you, you, know, you can buy your electricity from anybody. Oh, so it has an element of right. competition. That's and, right. Mm -hmm. okay. So everybody was really intent on that. And then for people that are in the energy, world, there were some things that happened in the California markets, and if you remember Enron imploding, and yes. some stuff. okay, mm -hmm. so all of that, every, that all brought it all to a halt. Everybody <laughs> went, maybe this isn't a good idea. Ah, okay. So, you know, but they'd started to go down that path, and it was, the interesting thing about that is if you've got a company that you've had for 50 years, and it's operated in this regulated environment, and then all of a sudden everybody changes the rules... I mean, you literally have to rebuild your business model. Yeah. Because what worked before doesn't necessarily work now, right, in sort of this new world. So So um, you got to be part of that rebuilding, yeah, which you said it was, was really so, fun. It was, it was fascinating. It, was it learned a ton. You know, it was really a terrific experience. And aren't you glad now you had that business degree? Yes, I was, <laughs> by then I was. and it, Well, by then I'd gone back and got a master's in finance. Ah. Because you got into it and you started going, I need to know more, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and there were people more than willing to learn or teach you within the company. But I'm one of these people that I like to, I like to read and absorb and, and um, sort of get some fundamentals and then also learn hands-on applications. Yeah. So, so get, yeah. get the learning from an objective, credited yep. university, not necessarily yep. just all on, on, on the job and from... Yep. Okay. And then I'd go down to the regulatory VP's office and say, hey, my prop said this last night. And he'd go, nope, that's wrong. And he'd stand up at the whiteboard and start saying, this is how it works in our world. Okay. okay. So, I mean, it was a great experience. But then you got to see two two aspects Correct. of it, right? Which Correct. is, this is how it works in our world, but maybe in the other world Correct. or other worlds, right. it works this way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is, again, valuable to you. So you don't just know one world. Yeah. You knew the other worlds, no, too. No, it was a great experience. Yeah. Just a great experience. So um, were you in management leadership roles at this point, too? I, I was. I, I actually got out of being an engineer and an individual performer pretty quickly. Within uh, two or three years of starting, they had me in a supervisor role and, and then into a manager role. And so I, I got into the leadership side of this pretty early in my career and just never looked back. Yeah. So what, uh, what was it about you? I mean, did you kind of raise your hand and say you wanted to be a leader or did they tap you or? I think it was more they tapped me. I, you know, that same regulatory VP I was telling you about, I mean, he used to, he had to walk past my office to get coffee and I have no clue what he saw in me, but he kind of adopted me at some point and he'd go get coffee and he'd come back and he'd sit down in my office and he'd start talking to me and it, you know you're kind of freaked out about there's a vice president in my office uh -huh. why is he here talking to me mm -hmm. right but um 
apparently he saw something in me, right, that, that he thought would be a benefit uh, in the company and in the leadership ranks. And the next thing I knew, I got promoted to supervisor. And, uh, and then it just kind of, it just kind of went from there. And there, there were a couple of just incredible leaders at that company that, you know, at some point you kind of go, okay, I need to learn everything I can from these people. Yeah. Yeah. So great role models. They were fantastic. Well, and how many women? Again, you're in a male dominated industry. (laughs) We, you know, we had more at the, the, um, the, the, uh, corporate office, CIG was owned by a larger corporation named the Coastal Corporation, and they were headquartered in Houston. So Houston was very different than Colorado Springs. There, there were women in leadership roles in Colorado Springs, not so many in, in Houston, Houston, right? Oh. So um, when you went to Houston, it was a little bit different. A little, there were a few, but it was a little bit different world in Houston and, and much more sort of the traditional, what we would expect for the traditional energy and the sort of male-dominated and stuff like that. So we did have some women, uh, but I, I would say that most of my um, most of my early mentors and the people that I looked up to from a leadership aspect were, were men. Were men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you uh, navigated your career over these 19 years, were you raising your hand for promotions? Were you just getting promoted? Were you kind of picking, oh, I'd like to be on this project? How did you navigate all of that yeah I was one of those people who would raise my hand and say I'll let me try that I think I can figure it out and what you know once you kind of do that a couple times and people see that you are capable of figuring it out then they tend to they tend to come and ask you more and mm-hmm. say hey will you come and do this or can you w- would you jump on this team and help us do that um, for these new endeavors or Sometimes they were new endeavors. Sometimes they were, uh, hey, we need a new computer system. Um, I mean, my boss told, the guy I was working for at one point, we were trying to get a new a new computer system in. We were going from an old mainframe system to what is very common today. We call them, then we called it a GUI system, but, you know, it was it was like what's on your PC. It's very user-friendly, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, I was in talking to my boss about it one day, and he goes, look, Either you or I have to be the project manager on this, on the business side, and I'm not going to do it. I said, got it. I mean, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> I just eliminated me and not your boss, so now it's you. Right. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll volunteer. No problem. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, there were things like that with the, that would happen as well. But, um, but you, know, you were volunteered. Yeah. I, I was voluntold, right? Yeah, voluntold. Uh, but, you know, once you're in it, I, I mean, you got two choices, right? Yeah. You can be grumpy about it. And grouse about it and say how unfair it is, or you can dig in and try to make it work, right? And so I'm one of these, uh, and this is probably the middle child thing again, you know, optimistic, positive people, and I'm going to look for a way to make the best of it. Well, at least, I mean... It's better to be, I think, part of change. I'd rather be at the table, part Absolutely. of the change, part of the decision making, than on the outside. That's right. Being having it thrust on you, and you're like, well, right. wait a minute, why did we do this? How did we get here? That's All right. that. So, so would you recommend that? Is that something that when you look back at your career, that you might say, you know what, that was a good secret to my success, or a good part of your success? Absolutely. Was... Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> Jump and in. don't wait to be picked. Sometimes. Do not wait to be picked. You got to raise your hand. And mm-hmm. you got to get in there, because uh, a you'll learn a lot, right? And you'll always be expanding your skill set, um, and and b people will start noticing and paying it. Because 
you and I both know the next secret piece to this is having a, a sponsor at the executive level that's talking about what your capabilities are and saying good things about you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're not going to do that if you're just going to go sit in your office and hide or mm-hmm. your cube and hide and not say, let me help you solve that problem, right? Because that's really what, what it business is a series of problems, right? Solving the problems so the business can move forward and be successful. That's what they're really interested in. Yeah. Yeah. I like that analogy. It's just a, it's a series of problems. It, it really is. And how do you yeah. keep solving them? Well, and you look at, um, you know, sometimes in this it is tended to be, I've heard a female tendency. And I know I've kind of experienced it too, that I feel like, well, if I do my job, you know, really, really well, I'll get noticed and then I'll get promoted and I'll get right. pulled into these things. But many times if, if you're just doing your job all the time and not out doing some of the other jobs or other projects, right. that's where you've got to raise your hand and yeah. let people know I'm interested in doing more. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to clarify that point because sometimes people are like, well, I, I do volunteer, but wait a minute, I'm not in the circles to volunteer. Or, you know, maybe I haven't even right. got to that point to let people know. But And you've also got to be willing to volunteer when you don't really know how to do it. And, ah, and I would say that risk taker, risk taker, mm-hmm. right? The first few that I did were more like, I got no clue how to do that, but I, I, I had enough confidence in myself that I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And people by then knew enough about me that they were willing to, you know, put me on the team. And, and then you just got to knock it out of the park. And yeah. once you get that opportunity, you just got to knock it out of the park. And how did you do that? Uh, you know, the first the the first couple of years I was at CIG, I spent a lot of late hours working on it, right? Because you're learning, right? Mm-hmm. You're learning this model. You're trying to figure that out. And I can remember being at the office a lot of late nights trying to figure stuff out. And, and then, you know, bugging people, asking questions. Explain this to me. How does this work? I don't get how that interfaces with that or how this... Thing I'm working on over here relates to this regulatory model over there. And oh, and that's something that I would really stress for people. If you do not really understand how your company makes money, you need to run towards that and figure it out. And I'm not saying, yeah, we make a product and we sell it. I mean, really understand how your company mm-hmm. makes money and what the key factors are and how some of those decisions get made. Um, because it totally changes the way you look at a business and a lot of the decisions you make if you understand the levers and the pushes and pulls on how you make money. Yeah. So that's a really important thing where it's pretty early on. It's like, all right, how does this regulatory model work? When is it important that this happens versus that happens? You know, stuff like that's really important to understand. And then if you if it's a little bit outside of what you learned in college... Right. Then that's even more confusing, right? So then you need to have that internal Ask mentor questions. that yep. is kind of says, well, yeah, that's how the, the regular world runs. Here's a regulatory, regulatory is world. Different yeah, than, it's different. And, right. Yeah. Or yeah. utility right. is different and all of right. that, right? Wow. Okay. You can't be afraid to ask questions because there's no such thing as a bad question. There isn't. Usually people are actually known for asking like the most obvious question. Which at the time, some people might say that's a dumb question in, in, in their minds. They don't say it out loud. But then it ends up being such a powerful right. question. That's right. right. Like, well, and how are we going to make money at this? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so you're with CIG. Then then that's when you got to Excel or kind of give us well, the Well, you know, um, at some point, Coastal and El Paso merged in there. 
and, and El Paso was another pipeline company. And um, for people that have been through mergers, I mean, this was a pretty typical merger. We knew whose name was going to be on the building. Afterwards, it was not coastal. So we knew how things were going to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you'll be taking direction from them. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. Um, and that was fine. I mean, you know, it's just the way. And you can be mad. It's the same thing. You can be mad about it, right? Or you can you can try to, you can leave. Or you can figure out, right, whether or not it's going to work for you. Um, so it, it took about a year for all of that kind of to come together. I built the transition plan to all the stuff, the unregulated stuff I was doing. I ended up moving to Houston. And I built a transition plan for all that to happen. Um and and they made me an offer to go to Houston, but I you know, I basically said appreciate it, but no. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a couple of other offers um, here to stay here in Colorado, and so I picked one of those. But that put me back on the regulated side and the pipeline side, and now um, in in the regulatory department. So now you're in it, right? Yeah, you're dealing with the FERC. So I did that for um, a few years after the merger, and they did offer me a. Oh, and they they demoted everybody. So if you were a director, and I was a director when they, when they merged, everybody got demoted to a manager. Okay. So again, you can be mad. You can be mad, right? And there were a lot of people that were mad Mm -hmm. about getting demoted, Um, and and of course they all said, hey, you know, it's it's uh, our scale's different, and you know this is equivalent, and yeah, right, you know, you whatever. Yeah. Um, but, um, they offered me a promotion back to a director, but frankly, it was work I'd already done, you know, so it's kind of like been there, done that, don't Mm want to do it again, appreciate it. And they were shocked when I said, no, I didn't want to be, uh, back at a director level doing the same stuff that I had done before, you know, before the merger had happened. Uh, so somewhere in there, a guy that I had worked with, um, before, uh, basically made me an offer. It was really hard to refuse. And at that point in time, my stepkids were were uh, grown. Nobody was depending on us anymore. And if ever there was a time to say, "All right, maybe now's the time to take a chance," that was it. So I quit, and everybody was shocked. They're yeah. like, "You can't quit." <laughs> well, actually, I can, <laughs> um, but I quit, and I went with this very small twenty, less than twenty employees. Um, privately held uh, firm that was doing computer work. Well, he built some computer stuff before and sold it for a bunch of money, and I thought, well, all right, let's go see what I can learn from him, and maybe lightning will strike twice in the same place. We got about a year into that, and uh, it became really obvious that we weren't really that aligned um, mm-hmm. on you know values, and, and some. even though I had tried to vet that out pretty carefully beforehand. Uh, once we got into it, it's like, all right, this isn't going to work. So we agreed to to part company. And uh, that was in the spring. And, and by the fall, I was I was working at Excel. I had uh, found a position at, at Excel uh, back in a director role. And I thought, all right, this will be fun, right, for a few years until I decide I don't want to work anymore. And... Um, but the problem is once you get in a company like that for people like me that are fixers and change agents <laughs> and you know you don't do well in a maintenance mode right mm-hmm. i mean you know, i'm one of those people that's got to keep fixing stuff uh you get in there and you start seeing all right this has got to be different well this has got to be different and so you i started working on some of that stuff to the extent that i could right within yeah. the, the scope of the budget and the responsibilities that i had well then um 
unfortunately, San Bruno happened in California. You know, that, that horrific uh, pipeline explosion and people were killed. And, that, you know, it's just a really horrible thing. And um, Excel, basically, the, the, um, the guy that was the CEO at the time, uh, he said, well, tell me again what we're doing. Right around this. Make sure this doesn't right. happen to us, right? And at the time, I was the Colorado VP for gas. And I said, well, here's what I've been working on, and here's what I'm doing. And he said, uh, well, um, next month, you're going to come and talk to the board. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> he says, next month, you're going to come and talk to the board. And I said, okay. So, um, you know, we... We put a presentation together, and I practiced it a bunch of times with him and others, and then I went and talked to the board. And was this to get more funding for well, this safety was, or for well, upgrades? Or remember, a big part of boards are oversight. Mm-hmm. And are you doing the right things to manage the risk and the company's reputation? Ah, okay. Right? So this was a big deal. What was going on? In yeah. California. So again, we don't want to have this. We happen don't kill here. people, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. supposed to kill people when you. <laughs> are giving them products and mm-hmm. services, right? So um, they were very interested in what are we doing at Excel so that that doesn't happen to us. And, um, you know, I'm not, I kept going, I'm just doing Colorado. I'm not doing the other states that we have assets in. Well, so anyway, it worked, it worked out just fine. They were very happy with the work we were doing. And... Um, that CEO retired, a new guy came in, the next thing I knew, I get a phone call that says, will you be the gas business lead for the entire corporation? And what we've been doing in Colorado, we need to do more broadly. And, you know, so th- this is another one of those moments where you go, you can, you can go, crap, do I know how to do that? Or you can go, yeah, let me have it, right? Yeah. So I said, you bet, give it to me, let's go. And um, I, I'd be the first one to tell you that I knew everything that I needed to know to take on a role like that. Absolutely not. I, you know, that it was a big role in a big company at a corporate level. The next thing I know, I'm dealing with the general counsel on a regular basis. I'm talking to the board on a regular basis. Um, you know, you're talking with other senior vice presidents on a regular basis. Your boss has these expectations about your looking well down the road and, you know, your plans extend longer than, you know, <laughs> a year mm-hmm. and, um, you learn and you grow. Right? Yeah. Um, and it, it took me about two meetings with the board before I said, I think I want to be on the other side of this conversation. Ah, I want to be on the board side. <laughs> they were awesome. They yeah. were absolutely awesome. Uh, I learned a lot from them. They asked great questions. They made you stop and think about what you're doing and how you were doing it. It's like, okay, I get it, right? And the next time I come talk to them, we were in a better place, and we just sort of walked our way through it. They were very supportive of what we were trying to do, and we achieved a lot. Uh, and it clearly wasn't just me. I mean, we we totally changed our employee safety numbers, our public safety numbers, and um, our gas business was in a totally different place when, when I retired. Um, so uh, very supportive, and, and we just got to a much better place. Well, once you decide you might want to play with some board work, then you can't just be very myopic with your company, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you need to get your name out there. You need to build some other skill sets. 
I started working nationally, more nationally, with the trade organizations, American Gas Association. Um, I got on the, um, there's an uh, advisory group that works with um, DOT that helps um, provide guidance on pipeline safety regulations. I got appointed to that and, and spent uh, four or five years doing that. So, you know, you're working with other people. Uh, oh, I testified before a congressional subcommittee on pipeline safety. Uh, I mean, I never would have had an opportunity to do something like that, right? If, if you hadn't at some point said, yeah, I'll do that, right? Yeah. I'll raise your hand. And, mm-hmm. and that was the same way where the, the trade association said, hey, we need somebody that will go do this testimony. And I didn't even hesitate. I hit reply immediately and said, I'll do it. Wow, just knowing the experience right. of it, you were going to right. learn and grow. Wow. And by the time I actually went and did it, I, of course, it, it was you know a scary experience, mm-hmm. right? But you have all these people supporting you. You know, people are writing it for you, and, and then you're reviewing it, making sure you're comfortable with how it's said. Um, they're practicing with you. They're giving you background on the people that are going to be in the room. They're in the room with you, uh, right behind you, where they can whisper in your ear if they need to. So, I, I mean, you know, you, you had a lot of support um, in doing that. Um, and it wasn't near as terrifying as I thought it was going to be, but it's still, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and of course, at the microphone oh, right? yeah. or that one and there's table. there's a clock right there too, because you have this much time, right? And you can't go over. So they have a countdown clock right in your line of sight. So no pressure. That part of it's a little intense, but you know, you figure all that stuff out. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I can't, I can't argue it was a great experience overall. Wow. Well, we're, we're getting to the point where, can you believe it's been almost an no, hour I already can't. <laughs> that we've been chatting? So this is just fascinating. I have so many more questions. I could keep going with you for at least another hour, but we do need to wrap up. When you look back at then all of these series of different roles and opportunities, what do you think was kind of the, the smartest thing that you did? Um... You know, be, being frankly, being willing to, to get out of my comfort zone and being willing to try something and say, mm-hmm. hey, let me let me take a let me take a swing at that. And then once you're once you volunteered, even if you don't have the you know, if you don't have the right the right uh, knowledge or experience, being you know, being humble enough to admit that and, mm. and going and figuring that out, right? Who who do I know that can help me understand this part of it? Well, what about this part? And you know, going and getting that information and then integrating it into something that'll work. So be willing to take on challenging roles, but also yep. be willing to bring people with you, right? Or yep. bring bring that information with yep. you. So ask for help when you need it. I you know for one th- I know I'm not a detail person I I that's probably weird because I'm an engineer but I know I'm not a detail person so I always make sure I have people around me that are really good at that mm-hmm. um, so that you know I can make all these promises and then they can <laughs> they can deliver <laughs> <laughs> they they know how to put the you know the more detailed stuff together to make it happen yeah yeah well is there anything that you'd like to share for you know someone maybe starting out or maybe starting over in a career that I haven't asked you. And some words of wisdom that you I you know I'm just going to keep going back to to don't don't be afraid to right to take on something outside of your comfort zone. Um it feels really scary, but frankly that's how we learn, right? Yeah. Is to get out of our comfort zone and um and be willing to take on stuff. I mean, I've had people when I said I was going to get on the PG&E board, I've had 
kind of two groups of people. One of them is, are you out of your mind? They're in mm-hmm. bankruptcy. They've got all these challenges. And um, that's been an interesting group of people that have said that to me. And then there's the other group that says, you go, girl. You're going to help them you know, fix the problems that they have. And, and because I have such a deep-seated belief that, that uh, I can make positive change and I like to fix things that are broken, I, I'm more aligned with that second group of... Yes, you go, I, yeah, yeah, and I, I can know, make a difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know I can make a difference for this company. You have enough so, data points in your career and in yep. your life that you know that yep. you, ha- you don't know exactly what to do right now, but you know you can right. figure it out or have the... But find you, the right people to help figure it out. And, and what do people call that? EQ or emotional self-awareness, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know myself well enough that I know I can figure it out. I can learn what I don't know, and I can, I can figure out how to help. Mm, we might have to do another whole podcast just <laughs> on that topic. But, you know, one thing I want to just kind of close with, too, is that um, nobody has the exact skill. So, like, when you said when you were, your company was implementing a new computer system, and your boss at the time said, well, these are got to be me or you, I mean, right. you think about, you know, sometimes when you're in a role and in a corporation, you're like, oh, well, I don't, I've never done that, so therefore I'm not going to raise my hand. Yet, no one else has done it either. Correct. Or you would have already had a computer system, right? Correct. So, I think that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, too, is to let people know that many times these projects, no one's ever done them before. That's right. That's right. So, don't let that stop you. Really, just, you know, boldly step in. And now, don't be arrogant and not ask questions or get the right people on your team. It's just... Humbly step in, but right. excitedly humbly step in and, and right. be amazed at what you can do. That's and, exactly right. And people will want to help you and be part of it because then they'll be like, well, I've not done it either. So let's go do it together. And, and in that scenario, my boss was very interested in us being successful. Oh, yeah. He's going to support <laughs> you, right? So you might have to come to and say, I need to offload this part because right. I'm over right. here doing this part. And right? oh, by the way, I need somebody with this skill set and I'd like that person. And I mean, he was incredibly supportive making sure we had what we needed to make mm-hmm. that. And we got it. We got it on time and on budget um, and and it wasn't trivial it was a hard thing for the company to do and for our group to do but we got there and he was incredibly supportive so wow just ask just ask they ask and say yes yes well Cheryl thank you so much this has been uh, an amazing journey on your life story I hope you've enjoyed going back through it a I bit. have this is this has been fun you've made me think about things I haven't thought about in a long time <laughs> Very cool. And listeners, if you have any questions for me or for Cheryl, please post them on my website, lifestorycurator.com. And if you enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe and you'll get then alerts and other interviews that come out. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, Cheryl. Thank you.